Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. All right. Great day to be in the house of the Lord. God is so good, and it's awesome to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And I uh, had a, an interesting week last week. I had uh, my kids were uh, playing kickball. And uh, one of them, uh, Brian, was running to first, and Matthew was ready to get him out. And uh, they, 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 some guys, some these boys can get really aggressive sometimes. And so uh, Matthew's right about to throw the ball out at him, and Matthew and Brian had a bottle in his hand, and just his instinct was to throw it at him so he doesn't get him out with the ball. And throwing that bottle at Matthew, it landed in his eye. And um, it, was a, it was a scary phone call I got from Jenny because... Uh, she told me he's bleeding from his eye. And I go, wait, are you talking about like outside of the eye or inside? He goes, inside the eye, there's blood. And uh, he told me, and he says he's only seen blue and yellow, and he's seen very blurry. And, um, you know, you think the worst when something like that happens. And uh, I said, uh, Jen, you're going to have to come. She's way down south, and I said, you're going to have to come to where my office is at, and we're going to go to the emergency room at Baskin Palmer. And, and so she heads over there. We're praying that, that God just, just cover him with his blood. And um, we, we took him to the emergency room, and thank God that as we, got, as we took him there, he was able to, it was, his vision was getting better and better. And when they did the test, they told us, look, the, most, the two most important things is his vision and the pressure in his eye. Um, and so there was blood in his iris, in his actual, the color of his eye, the chamber of, their, of, of, of the iris, there was actual blood in there. And because the iris had gotten damaged. So it was a scary thing to see that. Um, and uh, when they were doing all these tests on him, the, in a dark room with a light, the, the, uh, the, the, the right eye responded fine, but the left eye didn't respond to the light. And so it was a scare, these, all these things were, were, were really scary and this, this fear comes upon you. Um, but I, during all that time, we were just trusting in God. God, you're in control. And so they told us that his vision is 20-20, and they told him that now we just got to wait on the healing of that iris. And so they, they had given him some drops to, to, for some cortisone and, and, and some medical drops to take care of him. And thank God it's been getting better and better. As we've been taking him throughout the, throughout the week, uh, the uh, pressure in the eye uh, was at 14, and uh, it's not supposed to be past 20, they said. And so 10 to 20 is a healthy uh, is a healthy eye as far as pressure, but it starts to go up and it's normal. It went to 14, it went to 16, it even went to 20. And we asked, uh, we asked the church to pray and we had so many people praying for us and we didn't give up on that. We didn't give up on God and we, we've kept praying and, and so we took him yesterday. He's at 19 and we're, we're praying for that last visit that it goes down. So we ask that you keep us in prayer um, so that it isn't anything serious, but that God's in control. We know that there's going to be victory in that. Um, God is good and um, it's in those times where God will give me a word. Um, it's in those, in those times. In those, and, and this is, I'll tell you, uh, sometimes we go through a valley, a dry place. And this is just that. I'm, I'm going through, um, through, through just so many other trials in my, in my work and um, in other situations in my life. But and it's even in this, in through those valleys where I see the incredible hand of God in my life. Um, and it's when God speaks to me the most. Because I, I hold on to him the most. And I, I don't want to let go. And so that's when God speaks the most. And uh, uh, today's going to be fruit of what God will speak through somebody who's going through a valley. Who's going through a trial. And so that it may bless your life. And, um, and I know that, 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 that God's going to do something incredible in your life. But, but you need to have a heart that's ready to receive a word. And so take out all distraction out of your life this morning. And don't allow the devil to steal the word he has for you because it's an incredible word and it's, to, and it's to proclaim victory upon your life. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this morning and uh, we thank you, God, for your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you for your word, Father, for your promises are true. And we pray today, God, that as uh, those that came in here, it doesn't matter how they came in, I pray, God, that your word, Father God, may transform them may renew them, that they may give them direction, that, it, that your word may be a lamp to their feet today, Father God, as it, has, it has been for me, Father. And I know, God, that today you will make their path clear, Lord. Today, God, you will give them direction. Today, you will give them victory, Father. And we pray, Father, this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 
The message today, this morning, is called Don't Stop Striking. Tell your neighbor, don't stop striking. All right, they're like, what in the world are you talking about? We're going to get into that. Um, you know, many times, as I, as I was mentioning, we go through these um, tough times, and we're facing these battles. And I believe in this life, we face many battles. And it's a continual battle because you, 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 you finish one battle, you overcome, and, and you just jump into another one. And sometimes it's not just one. It's, it's two. It's three. It's so many of them. And um, God is telling us to not stop striking. Have you ever been someone who, uh, who just got tired, who, who, who just got weary, who got tired, who got discouraged in a situation? Maybe it's a relationship. And, and it just you just want to throw in the towel. You just want to quit. You just want to give up. And um, I'm believing today that God's going to give you the power to overcome that. That he's going to give you whatever you need to endure whatever you're going through. And there might be people here today that want to give up in their marriage. That want to give up in their situation. But I believe that you can leave here encouraged to go back home and give it another shot. I believe that. Because I believe God's power. I believe the promises of his word. I believe that if you follow this instruction manual, you, will, you can proclaim victory upon your life, upon your marriage, upon your home, upon your situation, upon your trial. God's in control. You need to believe that. The word that the Lord has given our church this year has been a word of faith. You need to believe and trust in God with all your heart. Believe in the power of his word upon your life. You may be someone here today that you're about to give up on a prayer that you've been praying You've been praying for something, and you're right about to give up. Well, I, I tell you that you could leave here today encouraged with faith, with courage to go back home and get back on your knees and not give up, not give up on his promise, not give up on the power of his word. You can leave here today equipped with that. And I believe today he will give you a will because maybe some of you have come here and you've given up on life. Like that's it, I've had enough of this. I believe he's given you a will to live again. Because of Jesus who is alive. Because of Jesus who's in this place. He doesn't want you to give up. He doesn't want you to throw in the towel. And if you believe that God can do all things... If you really believe that God can do all things and more, I ask the church today to give a big clap offering to our God and shout with me, amen. Amen. How many people have watched those uh, war movies where it's just this one man fighting this entire army all by himself? Um, uh, back in the day, uh, Rambo, I mean, this guy just was out there shooting, slaughtering everybody, villages, and, and nobody stopped him. He got shot, and he still kept going, and this guy, I, I don't even, he didn't even run out of bullets. I mean, I don't know how that happened, but this guy just killed everybody that was in his sight. Um, and uh, another movie's uh, Gladiator. That guy was just, I mean, what a warrior, slaughtering everybody that would come. Very bloody movie, but uh, this is a man thing. Um, the guys were like, yeah. And, 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 but it was this one man, and, and it feels like it was just one guy killing everybody, and nothing's touching him and all that. Um, and I think many of us today feel the same way when it comes to seeing our enemies before us. We, we, we feel outnumbered. We feel like we're just overwhelmed. It's our enemies are just too many, and we feel we're by ourselves. And a lot of people fight their battles on their own. And Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 1, says when you go out to battle against your enemies, look how powerful this verse is. It says when you go out, no, 20, verse 1. It says when you go out to battle against your enemies, you're out in the battlefield, you see horses, you see chariots, and people more numerous than you, you're outnumbered. Do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. He's the one that brought you out of captivity. He's the one that rescued you. He's the one that stretched out his arm. Regardless of how you were living your life, he was there to rescue with arms wide open. 
He's the same God that wants to be with you in the battle. And it doesn't matter if your battle seems like you're the only one fighting and it's against a, 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 a large number of enemies. You have a large God on your side. We have the assurance that he goes before us against our enemies. We have, an, an, like there's a song that says we have, uh, we know who goes before us. We have a, an angel of army standing right by our side. I believe that when I'm fighting those battles, when I'm fighting that trial, I believe I have an army of angels by my side. I believe I have a great big God on my side. And you should believe that here today. That's our assurance. That's our hope. That is our faith. Isaiah 42 verse 13. He goes before you against our enemies. The Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out, yes. He's going to shout out, yes, you're going to have victory. That's the God I have. He's a God of yes and amen. And he shouts out loud. He shall prevail against his enemies. I'm so glad I have a God that fights for me. Because if I didn't, I'd fail, I'd fall, and I'd, be, and I'd give in by now. I'd be destroyed. There's so many scenes in the Bible when it comes to battle in the field. And one of the most famous ones growing up, you hear about David and Goliath. But there's something powerful about what David does when he confronts this big giant. You need to understand the, big, the difference in stature, the, the, the difference in the size of this man, in, in the armor that he had. Everybody trembled, but there was that brave young boy, David, who stood before that giant in 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. And there's something powerful about what David did. It says, David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword. You come to me with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He was brave to say that. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, verse 46. I'm going to tell you something, Goliath. I'm going to tell you something, giant. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. How many people shout amen to that? There's something powerful about David. And I always love to share David's story. Because he declares victory even, before the, even way before the battle begins. He's already declaring to his enemy saying you will be defeated today way before the battle even started. And there, he proclaiming victory, he had victory. And it's so important that we do the same when it comes to our trials, when it comes to our giants, that we speak victory upon that. That we, that we, that we shout out that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. That we will be more than overcomers. You need to declare that. You need to declare that over your life. You need to declare that over your home. You need to declare that over your children. Declare that over your, your marriage Declare victory. When you think you're, you're outnumbered, declare victory. Even before the battle begins. Because you have a great God that's on your side. Another scene is the Gideon and his clan. And I love sharing his story too. I love sharing his story because he said, God, you want me to fight Israel, but I'm the only, I'm the weakest I have a weak clan. In fact, I have the weakest clan of all Israel, and I'm the weakest of the clan. You're picking the wrong guy. I'm a nobody. I'm not gladiator. I'm not Rambo. I'm Gideon. I'm the weakest guy. Do you know who I am? I'm the weakest in my weakest clan. That's in that, that word clan is, is in the Bible. And uh, some, sometimes a little bit of my slang, thuggish, will come out of me. That's where Matthew gets it from. And he, and he says, how can I save Israel? I'm the weakest one. 
So God tells him, gather up your men, and he gathers up 32,000 men. There's a million Midianites. Think about that. The enemy's a million people. And God's saying, gather up your people. He's gathering up 32,000 men. This is what I got, God. And God says, that's too much. What do you mean that's too much? I got 32,000. This is against a million. I'm outnumbered. He's like, that's still too much. He says, out of those 32,000, I want you to pick up 300 men. God, are you serious? That doesn't make sense. The numbers don't add up. So he obeyed God. He got his 300 men. And they were able to defeat the Midianites. They were able to defeat with 300 men a million Midianites because there was one very powerful God on their side. And there's victory even when it seems to be outnumbered. There's a story that I want to share with you here this morning. And I want you to pay really close attention to this story. And this is found in 2 Kings chapter 13. And here the prophet Elisha, he was right at the end of his life. He was right about to die. And so there, there's a king in Israel. He's worshiping other gods. This guy was a wicked king. His name is Joash. And, and the nation's in trouble. And he comes crying over to, to, uh, to Elisha and says, hey, I need some help. Isn't it incredible, incredible that when we're in most time of need, we come running to God. We come running to help in those times. How many times I, I've shared to people the gospel. I remember sharing the, the, the word to an atheist. He used to be a supervisor of mine a long time ago. Didn't listen to anything I said until the day of trouble came in his life. The atheist says, can you pray for me? I need help. Can you ask your God to help me? And it, and it, happens, it happened with this king. So this king, king being a wicked king, worshiping other gods, came in time of trouble to Elisha. And in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14, it says, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. So he's coming to him asking for help. He's about to be defeated by an army. And Elisha, the man of God, tells him in verse 15, he says to him, Take a bow and some arrows. He says, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. He listened to him. Remember that game Simon Says? Where, where they tell you Simon Says do this and you do it? This is more like Elisha Says. And everything Elisha said, he started to do it. So Elisha said to him, take a bow. And it says, he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king, verse 16. He said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Next verse. He said, open the east window. And he opened the window. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. He said, Elisha says, Simon says, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance in Syria for you must strike the Syrians of Aphek, till you have destroyed them. Verse 18. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. Verse 19. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. If you're writing notes, you want to write on there, pick up your weapons. And we're about to pick up our weapons. We learned that the real victory in this scene was not won in the battlefield. The real victory in this scene is won in the bedchamber. It's just an old word for saying bedroom. It's won in the bedchamber of your prayer life. That's where victory starts. That's where the battle begins. The battle we fight is not like Gideon's and David's. 
But it's one where we don't wrestle with against flesh and blood like Ephesians 6.12 says. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts. That's the type of battle we fight. And it begins on our knees. Elisha had the, the king pick up his weapon. And even though he was only in Elisha's room and not on the battlefield fighting against Syria, he was there fighting the battles already in his bedchamber. I ask you today, are you in your bedchamber fighting your battles? Are you in your bedchamber on your knees? You see, that's the place where you take up your weapons. He does the same exact thing with us. And he wants the same with us, for us to take up the weapons in our bed, in our bed chamber. No one is watching. The enemy seems miles away, untouched. But it's just us and God. And I'll tell you something, in, in that moment, that's where the outcome is determined. That's where God sees the victory. You may not see it yet, but that's where God sees the victory. It's in that chamber. It's in that bedroom. It's in that prayer closet of yours. This is where our weapons are first engaged. There's a song that says, I touch the sky when my knees hit the ground. How powerful is that? My, I, I touch the sky. I receive the victory when my knees hit the ground. There's victory. There's war when you hit the ground. That's the, one of the most incredible weapons you got. Get on your knees and start fighting. Start proclaiming victory. Psalm 34, verse 17. The righteous cry out. You got to cry out. And the Lord hears. And when he hears your cry, he delivers them out of all their troubles. I'm telling you. That's where victory begins. It's in that bedchamber. It's in that bedroom. It's in that on your knees when you're praying to God. It's when you're crying out with all your heart, believing in him, believing in his promises, declaring the victory, declaring who he is in your life. The Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. So let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 13. Let's go to verse 15. So this is when Elisha said to him, take a bow and some arrows. We got a bow and an arrow right here. Hallelujah. So he says, take a bow and some arrows. I got a bow. I got this wrong right here. Here we go. I got a bow and I've got some arrows. So he did as the man of God instructed to do. And this is what we need to do. We need to grab our weapons. These are weapons that will allow you to have victory over your life. See, this king was about to be overcome. Overcome by a massive army. But he's telling them, grab your weapons. But understand, he wasn't telling them to grab the weapons in the battlefield. He was saying, grab your weapons in this bedchamber. Grab your weapons in your bedroom. Verse 16. So he said to the king, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on the bow. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Verse 17. And he said, open the east window, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. He says, open that east window. He opened it, and he shot out through that window. I won't let that go. <laughs> I'll be in big trouble. And he shot. 
And so he picked it up and he shot once out that window. You see, the devil would have loved, the devil would have loved to discourage Joash and tell him, man, that's foolish what you're doing. That's embarrassing for a king to just open up a window and just shoot into the, into the midair, into the empty air. What, think about what you're doing. It doesn't seem right. He's a king shooting out a window. Think about that for a second. And the devil wants to use that. But the Holy Spirit asks us to pray and believe God for things not seen. And he tells us that we don't see in the natural. But to know that we have an enemy that's outside. And so if the Holy Spirit tells you to open up a window of opportunity, you open up a window of opportunity. And you shoot that arrow because the Holy Spirit, because the Lord tells you to shoot that arrow. Because the man of God tells you to shoot that arrow. You need to be obedient. You'll see Jesus tested the faith of many people. There was a blind man that came up to him and he spat on the ground. He spits on the ground, makes some mud out of it, puts it on his eyes, just the way Jesus did things. And he says, go to the pool and wash it. This guy was blind. Imagine you being that blind man and you've got spit mud on your face, on your eyes. And then this guy's telling you to go to the, to the pool and wash it off and you're going to be able to see. That takes a lot of obedience. That takes a lot of faith. That'll take a devil to discourage you, to tell you you're looking foolish what you're doing. You got mud in. People are now going to laugh at you. Look what you're doing. God is telling you to open up that window. If God directs you to open up, you open up that window. If he tells you to shoot and, and to mid, you do whatever he tells you to do. If he tells you to go left, you go left. If it doesn't make sense, you do it anyways. Don't ask why. Whatever the Spirit says you do. And there's something powerful about this. Jesus also told, and he told his disciples when they ran out of wine in that, in that wedding, he said, go fill it up with water. That doesn't make sense, God. Master, I'm sorry, that doesn't make sense. No, they went and filled it up with water. Whatever God instructs you to do, you do. Whatever the man of God in your life tells you what to do, just do it. God places leaders in your life to direct you, to guide you, to give you the wisdom you need. I've been blessed to have my pastor for 20 years. Because I've needed direction in so many areas of my life. And when I need it most, I'll call on and ask him, hey, I need a word from the Lord. And you'll give me a word from the Lord. And sometimes it just doesn't make sense. You know our pastor. He'll tell you to do this. It doesn't make sense. But I had God's blessing because of that. Because I listened to a prophet of God. Because I listened to a man of God. And this is the same with, the, with Elisha. God wants you to obey. God wants you to believe. He wants you to worship and have faith. He wants you to confess so that you can have the victory. He wants you to cry out so that you will be delivered. Many people don't open that door. Don't open that window when God instructs to open that window. You need to open that window and look outside at the victory that's outside that window. A lot of people keep that window shut. They, they keep that window shut and they fight their own battles and they end up being destroyed. But God wants you to open up that window of opportunity in your life so you can claim victory even before the battle begins. You got to start believing in the salvation of your loved ones. Don't give up on them. Keep fighting for their salvation. There's people that belong to this house here because somebody didn't stop praying for you. They didn't give up on you. And now you're fighting battles. Don't stop. Don't stop striking. Don't stop praying. Don't give up. Don't let anyone stop you from missing out. Pick up your weapons. Start believing victory over your finances. 
It doesn't matter how big it seems. It doesn't matter if you're outnumbered. The numbers don't make sense. They don't add up. Don't give up. God will direct you to the plan you need to get rid of that. And part of that plan to you may not make sense. I got to cut on my credit cards. I got to cut my phone. I got to cut my, my, my internet, my, my TV. You do whatever he tells you to do. And the battle may last long, but don't stop. Don't quit. Pick up your weapons, your words of authority, and let them fly out. Let them fly out and defeat your enemies. Psalm 18, verse 39. God has given you the armor that you need. People of God. It says, for you have armed me with strength for the battle. He's armed you. He's given what you need. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. If you're taking notes, you want to write on your notes. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. Or you can just put, it's, it's my responsibility. Personalize your notes. I want you to notice that Elisha couldn't do any of this for Joash. He was a great man of God, Elisha. And he couldn't do any one of these things. It was a responsibility that God entrusted to Joash through the prophet Elisha. And the same way God entrusts you with the responsibility. It's your responsibility for you to fight your battle. Not alone, but with God. Don't give up and throw in the towel. It's your responsibility to fight for your family, men. See, in the Bible and in all wars, you see the men are the ones that go out to battle. Don't let your spouse, don't let your wives be the one saying, hey, let's fight this battle. That's good. But let it you be leading that battle. Let it you be going out to the battlefield and fighting for your home. Fighting for your finances. Fighting for your situation. He's called you to be the warrior in your home. To be the champion in your house. He's the one that's armed you with strength for the battle. It's your responsibility. It's through the revelation of the scriptures. God will reveal to you a plan. You see, when you have a plan in your life, you'll have the victory. I once heard a pastor say that it's important to seek counsel. Because when you seek counsel in the multitude of counsel, the Bible says there's wisdom. And so when you get wisdom, then you can make a plan. Because without wisdom, you have no plan. And when you have a plan, then you can have the victory. Do you believe that? No, no, do you really believe that? Do you have faith that God can defeat all your enemies? Do you have faith? Do you really believe? Could you really confess victory over your situation? It's a responsibility, it's an instruction to discharge your weapon in prayer. He hasn't asked your pastor to do it for you. He's asked you to do it. He hasn't asked not even your spouse to do it for you. He's asking you to do it. He's not asking your brothers and sisters in Christ to do it for you. He's, asked, he's telling you, you take responsibility and you do it. You get on your knees. He, want to, he wants to see your faith, your bold faith in God. It doesn't add up, God. My enemies are, they outnumber me. Take responsibility. He hasn't asked the prayer team of your Saturday morning church. Even though they seem more qualified than you. Just as Elisha maybe felt more qualified, it wasn't about him. It was about the king surrendering himself. It was about the king getting down on his knees. 
Take responsibility. Grab your weapons. Start fighting war on your knees. Start shooting out words of victory over all situations in your life. Start proclaiming that. Second Kings, we're going to go to verse 18. Second Kings 13, verse 18. He tells him again, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king, strike the ground. And so he struck three times and stopped. He struck three times. Strike the ground three times. Strike the ground three times. That's what he did. He struck the ground three times. But he didn't tell him three times. He said, strike the ground. And so in those times, you didn't beat your enemy just one time in a war. See, the number of, of, of times he struck the ground represented the number of victories he would win. And in those times, you would have to defeat your enemy not once, not twice, not three times, sometimes four, five, six, until you completely destroy them. But the king settled for three times. The man of God tells him, strike the ground. You're supposed to just strike the ground. And he struck three times and he stopped. That's the problem. God is telling you, don't stop striking. Verse 19. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. You failed. You messed up. Why did you do that? If you go back to the previous verse where he says that to strike the ground. If you go before that, verse 17, look what he says. He instructed him says, the arrow of the Lord deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians of Aphek till you have destroyed them. You're supposed to strike them until you destroy them. You don't stop until you destroy them. That was the command. He totally missed it. He was doing good until the point of actually taking action. He grabbed, the, he grabbed it. He shot it out. He followed every single command that Elisha said. But when he told him to strike the ground, he only did it three times. And he stopped. Many of us stop at three times. And we are settled with that. We're settled with just striking three times. You know probably why the king stopped at three times? He probably stopped at three times because maybe he was tired of just fighting the battle. And he's like, three is enough for me. And a lot of people keep striking and we stop. Most believers are content to settle. Most believers are content to settle just to survive in the world. But God didn't raise you to be content to settle to survive the world he's raised you up to change the world he's he's raised you up to be a warrior not give up to don't stop fighting the battle so you can completely destroy your enemies Elisha's like if you would have just kept on if you wouldn't have stopped you would have had total victory why did you stop? Why did you stop striking? Why did you give up? You would have had completely destroyed the enemy. Don't settle just to survive the world. Be raised up to change it. You're raising your kids, but you've gotten overwhelmed by the battles that you've settled into just being in survival mode. I've given up on my kids. That's enough. I've had enough. That's it. I'm done. I'm done fighting the battle with my kids. Go ahead and let them do whatever they want. No. Don't stop. Don't stop striking. 
Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. He knew that every victory he would win meant another battle he would have to fight. So he said enough with that. And there are some people here that have stopped striking the ground. Some that are tired of fighting. Some that are tired and, and most of you are committed to doing the will of God. You believe that yourself. That you're committed to doing the will of God. But how much victory do you want? How much victory do you want in your life? That's a question. Because we all want to please God. We all want to do the will of God. But how much victory do you want in your life? And it isn't easy. Being in the battlefield isn't easy. Fighting all your enemies isn't easy. It takes a champion to do that. How much legacy do you want to leave in your life? To your children, to your family, to the generations to come. How many of you want to do that? It's not easy. People say all the time, oh, I want to have kids like you, Kenny. They're so good. I'll tell you, that wasn't easy. That took a lot of striking down. Come on. Literally. It was nonstop. I didn't beat them with this. But, but it takes a lot of striking. It takes a lot of fighting. And the war's not over. Come on, they haven't hit their teenage years yet. Woo! I get scared when they tell me that. But I see other people that have fought those battles and they have had victory, and those are my encouragement. Don't stop striking. Don't stop striking. I know you feel like giving up, but how much impact do you want to do in this world? You want to do the will of God, that's good. But how much do you want to impact this world? It takes a lot of striking. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of fighting. It's a battle that we, it's not we wrestle with flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. Don't stop striking. I know you feel like giving up, but the Spirit of God today says you haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen what I see. God has something so great prepared for you. Eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into your heart the things he has prepared for you. The things he has for you. God is telling you to pick up your arrow. Pick it back up and strike again. Get back home and that prayer that you've been giving up on, be encouraged today. Be, be lifted up with faith and courage to get back home and get back on your knees. Don't stop until the enemy's destroyed. Don't stop. Don't settle. Settle for the victory. That's when you stop striking. Don't stop it. You got to you got to strike it. You got to believe it. Don't stop striking. Don't stop believing. Don't stop praying. Don't stop. Don't stop trusting in God. Young people, don't stop giving up in your purity. Fight it. Don't stop striking that. And if you've let down your armor, you pick it back up and say, I'm going to be pure from now on. Fight. Destroy it so that you can stay pure. Destroy all those lustful thoughts in your mind until it's destroyed. But don't say, I've had enough. I'm, I quit. That's what wimps do. God's called you to be a warrior. God's called you to be a champion. Don't stop forgiving. Don't stop uh, teaching. Teach the word of God. 
Teach it to other people. Teach it to your young ones. Don't stop. Don't stop preaching the word to the ones you love and the ones you don't. Many of us give up and say, that's it. I've already told them the truth. I've had enough. Don't, no, don't stop. Don't give up on them because God didn't give up on you. Don't stop seeking purity. Don't stop seeking righteousness to do what's right, to do what God has instructed in your life. Don't stop seeking honor to honor the people that God has put in your life, the leaders he's put in your life, the parents he's put in your life. Don't stop it. Seek that. Seek righteousness. Seek honor. Hebrews 12, verse 28. Let's have the uh, worship team come up. I want you to see this. See this. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, you see, as you're striking the ground, you are receiving a kingdom. You are receiving the kingdom of God, which cannot be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. God wants you to receive the kingdom. God wants you to receive the power. You know, we just celebrated Easter. We just celebrated the resurrection of his power. And that power's for you. You know, there was a difference between the Peter that we read when Jesus Christ was taken away. When Jesus was taken away, all the disciples scattered and they ran like cowards. The Bible says they forsook him and they, and they fled. That's what the Bible says. They forsook Jesus and they fled when they took away Jesus. This is before Jesus died, when they took him away to be whipped, beaten, crucified. But something happened on the third day after he died. Even though Peter had denied him, on the third day when Jesus rose, something changed in those disciples because they saw a risen God, a risen king. And now they weren't the same anymore. When you read the book of Acts, you see a different, you see a different Peter. You see a different John. These guys weren't running like cowards. The Bible says they were bold. They were preaching the gospel to thousands they were, they were, they, they, they healed up a paralytic in the name of Jesus. How God was using them. There's a difference when you believe of, about a Jesus on a cross than when you believe in a Jesus that resurrected and is alive. The Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. So when you're striking the ground, you're not to give up. You are to fight that battle with the power that he's given you. Because many people don't believe in a resurrected Christ. And that's why they strike the ground and they give up. This doesn't work. Because you haven't believed in a God who's alive. In a God who is alive today. He's alive in you. He's alive in your home. If you allow him to. As he says, I, I stand at the door and knock. If you were just to let him open and let the, let the God who's alive into your home, you let him into your life, you let him into your marriage, into your business, into your finances, he will dine with you. He will remodel your home. He will remodel your life. He will change you from the inside out. Don't give up on God. He's alive. Today we should celebrate Easter. Tomorrow celebrate it. Every day celebrate that he, there is a risen king. Not, a, not a, a savior that's just on a cross, but one that's alive here. Don't strike out. That's not what I'm saying today. That's the opposite. Strike the ground so that you can have victory over your battle. Don't stop striking. The Bible says that like arrows in the hand of the warrior, so are the children of one's youth. You are to have your children 
in your quiver. How powerful is that? That we can raise up a godly generation. We have the power to do that. He's given us the power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead gives you the power to raise a godly family. See, it's not me. It's the power of God. And he's saying that my children are like arrows in the hands of the mighty, in the hands of the warrior. I want to shoot these children out to this world so that they can be world changers, so that they can go fight the battles. They shouldn't be always relying on God. I want them to one day rise up as men of God, as warriors, so that they don't just fight the battles I did, but fight bigger battles. So they may have bigger victories than I did. I believe that. Do you? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. For my God, you are with me. I believe in that. I believe that through the valley you were with me. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Here we find a picture of Jesus. He didn't stop striking. He never stopped. He could have stopped at any moment when they took him captive. The Bible says he could have called a legion of angels and just rescued him. He's God. He can do that like this. But that's not the heart of God. That's not the heart of my Savior. He's not one who quits the battle. He fights it until he had victory on that cross. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that started in your life and he's the one that should finish in your life. The work he started in you, he's not finished. He's not done fighting your battle with you. He's the author and finisher of that. Believe that. Believe in this risen king. This is Jesus right here. Watch this. As he was being beaten, as he was being whipped, mocked, a crown of thorns on his head. It says he had a joy that was set before him. And that endured the cross. See, he saw beyond that painful cross. He saw beyond the pain and all that. He had a joy that was set before him. You know who that joy is? You. You're the joy. Put your name, I tell the youth all the time, put your name in that verse. Who for Kenny that was set before him endured the cross. You're the joy. He did this for you. He didn't stop striking because he loved you. Because he had a joy that was set before him. He saw beyond the pain. He saw beyond the cross despising the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God that's my God that's my savior that's the one's alive that's the one that's my warrior he's the one that's on my side he's the one that's fighting those battles with me is he the one that's with you he's my warrior he's my friend he's my God and I'm more than a conqueror through him you have the same warrior on your side if not, you're not believing in a risen king. You're not believing in a, in a God who's alive. And then we should turn this whole, our life should be the whole opposite of this verse that says, and we should say, Lord, for the joy that was set before us, I'm going to endure it all. You're the joy in my life. And I'm going to place my eyes on you. And because it pleases you to build up a righteous family, I'm going to fight for that. It's for the joy of what you did for me. You love, I love you because you first loved me. I laid down my life because you first laid it down for me. I fight the battles that you want me to fight because you fought them for me. That's got to be our heart. Let's stand this morning. And let's trust in God. Let's trust in His Word. Let's trust in His promise in your life the word says that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world do you believe that 
What are you going to do with your arrows today? Ask yourself that. What are you going to do with your arrows? Are you going to throw them down? Sorry, Joey. Those are Joey's. Or are you going to grab your weapons, pick them back up today, and start striking the ground? What are you going to do? Whatever your situation, remember who your God is. And remember the victory that he's promised over you. As we sing this song, I want to open the altar. Because many of us have left our arrows down. We've thrown them down. We've only struck the ground a few times. But I thank God, not like this king. I thank God that today he is a God of second chances. Today he'll allow you to pick that back up. To get back on your knees and not give up. Whatever your situation is, you can bring it before the altar and you can start fighting today. You can start fighting right now. And don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop believing. Don't stop trusting in him. Don't stop striking. God bless you. As we sing this song, the altar is open.
and you're going to do in his life, Lord. And we know, Lord, that in due time, in due season, Lord, there will be victory. We trust in you, and we pray, God, that you, Lord, provide for him, Lord, that you may be his source of provision, God, that you, Lord, give him the needs that you promised him you would have, Lord, as he seeks first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, for the victories that you have won in this place today. For there were chains that were broken, God. There was warriors that stood up today and picked up their arrows, Lord. Men and women of God who don't give up on your promises, Lord. I pray, God, that you will be victorious in their life. Today, Lord, we lay down our will, Lord, before you. And let it not be what we want, God, but let it be what you instruct in our life. If you tell us to open the window, we will open the window. If you tell us to shoot, we will shoot. We want you to lead us to victory, God. And, Lord, we won't give up. Give us the strength, Lord. Give us the grace to keep striking, to not stop. We know that your grace is sufficient, Lord. We believe in your grace. Because without it, we give up, Lord. But we believe in the God who's alive. We believe we have that strength. We believe we have that grace because you're alive. And it's through you, Lord, that we are more than conquerors. Thank you, Jesus, for the victory in this place. And I pray, God, that you take your people, Lord, from victory to victory, from glory to glory, God, that we may leave here, Lord, victorious, Father God. And Lord, I pray for those that, even though they come victorious in their battles, and even though you take them from one battle to another battle, I pray they continue to trust in you, God. Teach them, Lord. Guide them, Father. I pray, Lord, that they may get on their knees in their bedchamber, that they may seek you, Father God, in prayer, Lord, in worship, in your word, obedient before you, honoring you, honoring your word, trusting in you, God. Today we thank you, God, for you are great, God. Thank you, God, for those that have won the battle. 
and for using that in our lives as a testimony that you are a God who's alive. We've seen the victories in this place. We've seen people set free. We've seen marriages restored. And it's so important, God, to thank you for that. This is our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is our family that you've restored. This is our church. And we thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. People of God, say amen. Shout it out. Give praise to our God. For the victory is our God's. God bless you. You are dismissed.